Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host, Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you doing today, Corey? Scatterbrained. We are all over the place trying to prepare this. Could yeah. you miss? We got a lot of information. Major major bombshells and, and my God, BlackRock under fire, Vanguard jumping out of ESGs and not entirely, but lots going on. This defense bill dropping and uh, oh my goodness, what else are we covering? Yeah. So we got today, we're going to talk about your latest report. Don't let your mortgage servicer BlackRock you. You, with the Verant Scary ESG Survey, plus BlackRock Under Fire. We're going to talk about also the WHO meeting again to strip away national sovereignty under pandemic preparedness. We're also going to talk about this National Defense Authorization Act and all the good, the bad, and the ugly parts of this massive, massive spending bill. And we'll close out with talking about Senator Ron Johnson's um, hosting a panel to provide updates on COVID jab adverse events with some interesting uh, and pretty staggering statistics. So we've got a lot of information to cover today. Let's just roll right into it. Tell us about this report you just put out. Oh, my goodness. Let me get back to that tab. We're literally sitting here. This defense bill's 4,400 pages for people who haven't seen it yet. That they When did they drop this? On Ed, Tuesday night. Tuesday night, they <laughs> dropped it. it. This is the compromise bill. It's been going back and forth in the House and Senate. This is the compromise bill that's expected to pass in both houses. House just passed this bill Thursday morning with dropping the actual words verbiage of it on tuesday night so guaranteed nobody read this bill (laughs) once again so i think thomas massey is looking to try to extend this so that this can't be done anymore where they've got thousands of pages to read in two days you know it's ridiculous so edge and i are sitting here trying to keyword all these things and find stuff and i'm like oh my god there's an article and there's an article and there's an article (laughs) yep it's pretty crazy. So we're just going to cover a few nuggets that we had time to actually find. Um, but first, let's get into this report that I just did with the help of Edge. Um, and so, okay, in a nutshell, what this is about, because we have lots to cover. So Flagstar is is a huge bank that, um, I shouldn't say huge bank, but they're a huge mortgager. They're like the seventh largest bank originator of residential mortgages, the fifth largest subservicer of mortgage loans nationwide, and the second largest uh, largest mortgage warehouse lender nationally. So based on total commitments. So we're talking, you know, pr- pretty sizable. They service over 1.4 million accounts with 360 billion in unpaid principal balances. Just to put this in perspective. Now, they just were acquired by new york community bank who uh they're big into the uh they're they're the second largest multifamily portfolio lender in the country and lead the industry in new york city they specialize in rent regulated non-luxury apartment buildings now guess who's the top shareholder of both shocker (laughs) i know BlackRock and and Vanguard comes in at number two, of course. And so what happened is they announced this back in 2021 where they were going to, uh, New York Community Bank was going to acquire Flagstar. And they're in several, you know, Midwest states as well as California and now obviously New York. So in, uh, oh, I got to go down to my little timeline. So in April, 2021 is when they made this announcement. Then fast forward, November 22nd, Flagstar sends out this email to its customers on this survey. And it's all about ESG, you know, environmental, social, and governance, which I think probably all of our listeners are quite familiar with that. So uh, it's a whole control mechanism to get rid of fossil fuels, to control people through social credit systems. It's, it's the whole shebang, big scheme. So they bring in, Variant systems for this survey, who's very scandalous, and we'll get to that in a minute. But this survey has 23 questions on it, and it is not a survey at all. It is the most manipulative, 
and I included screenshots of the entire survey in here. So if anyone ever wants to see an example of how it is they're trying to flip all this through these financial institutions, and, and we'll just read a few of the questions, alleged questions, you know, they basically are trying to guilt people and nudge them into saying, this is very important so that they can collect this data and justify their reasoning for going, you know, full-blown ESG. So in the meantime, BlackRock is under fire. We have 19 states that are completely against them. Multiple states have already pulled funds and we can get into that a little bit too. So uh, Variant Systems, you actually dug up a lot of this part, Edge. You want to you wanna get into who Variant Systems is? Yikes, that you could write a whole article or oh, probably novel. a book on <laughs> Variant Systems. This, right. after digging into Variant Systems, I am completely convinced that this company with tons of subsidiaries is based off of Israeli intelligence, is connected to an Israeli intelligence. It has a long, long history of uh, basically uh, stock option slush funds that were um, secretly held by the CEO who also happened to be uh, an Israeli intelligence office officer. Another former in Israeli intelligence officer said that Variant Products and their former, uh, they were a subsidiary of Converse, were based off of Unit 8200 technology. And if you don't know what Unit 8200 is, it is this elite secretive organization within Israel's um, defense program. It's equivalent to the NSA. And they're actually, uh, this technology, um, Converse and Variant technology, was actually instrumental in the entire NSA tapping wiretapping the u.s telecommunications grid in their domestic spy scandal <laughs> um, and let's not forget go back to uh they incorporated in 1994 of course they're headquartered in new york with 40 offices worldwide i mean these guys got government contracts very secretive with not just with the u.s with you know asia and uk and other governments but then they were previously a subsidiary of Converse Technology, which um, which was uh, a global technology company headquartered in the U.S. with half their employees in Israel. And then in '97, Quantum Industrial Holdings, which is advised was advised by George Soros through Soros Fund Management, partnered with Converse Technology to invest in the Israeli-based technology companies. So he later bought a stake in Converse Variant Systems in 2010. And then in 2013, Variant bought out Converse Technology. So now they're like riddled with this, all these scandals behind them that they're trying to overcome. But in the meantime, they're involved with uh, smart video surveillance systems, biometrics, tracking. They got involved with the whole, uh, I have links in here to the COVID docs that I uh, found where they were working with governments on data collection and quarantine management systems. And of course, you know, they're partnered with um, Accenture, which is Rockefeller funded, Amazon's AWS, Cisco, Microsoft, dozens of others. And of course, of course, Vanguard's the top shareholder. And then uh I don't know if it's like an acronym or the actual world CLAL. Do you know CLAL? CLAL Pension and Provident Funds is second. And then BlackRock is third. So we got BlackRock entwined with all three of these. The two banks I talked about who put out the survey and then um, Varent. Uh, Varent. Yeah. And then Varent is like, if you, if you want to just give it in a nutshell, they're considered a commercial spyware company, basically. It's, it's mm -hmm. surveillance 
technology for hire and that is connected to intelligence communities okay so this yeah. is the type of company and one of their the companies that they're part owner of uh be sightful and this kind of goes back to what what this whole article is about you know um, with taking these types of surveys um this be sightful company was basically grabbing data off of people's apps on their phones packaging that data and handing it off and selling it off to government customers to allow them to search whole areas or for individuals so like this is basically intelligence collection disguised as other stuff and yep. so if you're like filling out some kind of a survey that's a variant um, technology-based survey, you have no idea where that information is going. And I would just assume the worst considering <laughs> right. their connections. <laughs> right. And they own a ton. They own like over 45 subsidiaries, including 4C, which I'm sure people see pop up all the time on YouTube and other places where they're trying to get you to enter data. So let's just take a quick look. You know, it's funny because this started out as, oh, gee, I'm just going to do a paragraph intro about this survey and show people the survey so that they are warned because it's not just that it's a survey about ESG. This is coming from uh, mortgage lenders, right? And if they have your mortgage and they're moving towards ESGs and they're talking about, you know, working into... Uh, we just know it's going into social credit scores and all that other good stuff. You know, they make it sound like they're doing this for themselves so that they're all industry compliant with climate and yada, yada. That's not what this is about. So uh, it ended up turning into once I dug into the banks a little bit and variant, I was like, oh man, this is like, and then at the same time, all this news is dropping about BlackRock. So I'm like, how do I even frame this headline? <laughs> So, right. So if we look at this survey, that's basically uh, manipulative nudging techniques to coerce adoption of their plan. We've got, um, you know, you're supposed to check whether you think this is very important, important, somewhat important, not important, or you have no opinion. And, um, and, and they word it in such a way that in some, some areas, it's almost scary. And in other areas, um, you know, it's like intimidation, fear. And in other areas, they word it in a way to kind of shame you and guilty you. How could you say this isn't important, you know? Right. So uh, let's see. Utilize Renewable energy. Utilizing clean energy sources such as solar and wind to power the portfolio through methods such as on-site and green power procurement. Clean energy reduces GHG emissions and can help Flagstar meet its ESG goals. Is that very important or not important? Not important mm -hmm. at all. The, the, <laughs> the, the, I love this one. Physical and transition risks of climate change and resilience. The potential impacts that climate and weather-related risks, floods, storms, sea level rise, wildfires, heat, and water stress may have on the physical and transition risks and opportunities for Flagstar and its portfolio that, you know, you've got your money in there. Transition risk refers to shifts in the economy, markets, and government policy to address climate risks such as carbon tax on real assets and how certain assets may become functionally obsolete. Is this important? Not at all. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> unbelievable the way this is worded. Um, and we got, let's see, we got stuff in here on gender, of course, um, supply chain, equity, diversity, and inclusion, how Flagstar cultivates a safe play space for all employees and stakeholders, promoting the representation and participation of varying groups and individuals, including different genders, sexual orientations, ages, races, and ethnicities, cultures, and religions, encompassing concepts of employee satisfaction, equity, diversity, and inclusion are critical to creating a working environment that reflects the communities we serve. Nah. Totally not important. Nope. I mean, how is a person supposed to answer? It's unbelievable. Have you ever seen a survey like this? It's ridiculous. I know. So um, all these questions are like this. There's 23 of them. It's meant to shame and scare you. And um, basically so they can get their data and say, look, 
everyone thinks this is all significantly important. Yay, BlackRock. And if you fill that data out on your app uh, from your phone, I wonder how much is collected and scraped. Oh, yes, but it's anonymous. It's anonymous. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm just like scrolling through some of the questions here. It's, it, it, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Um, business resilience, Flagstar's financial and risk management and planning aimed at creating value for stakeholders and society in the long term, and include Flagstar's efforts and plans to ensure continuity of core business operations during the after crisis and or societal changes, disasters, and geopolitical events, as well as optimizing Flagstar's financial, social, and environmental value over the long term. Nah. <laughs> totally not important. Uh, they, oh, here we go. Public health, Flagstar support and response to major risks to public health, including the spread of infectious diseases and eventual and eventual pandemics, the availability of vaccinations and potentially deadly non-communicable diseases. Totally not important, dude. It 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 it's so. It's so manipulatively framed. I've never seen anything quite like it. So people need the heads up. They need to pay attention. You know, where are you investing your money? Where are you putting your money? Um, be careful because- Who holds and, your mortgage? Right, exactly. Who's holding your mortgage? And I understand that a lot of people, you know, you you start it with one and then they go and they they buy up the mortgages. So now, right. now you're stuck with this person. It's like, well, shit, what am I going to do? Refinance to get away from them? And then what if it gets bought again? Right. So I know this is, you know, it's concerning, but here's the good news. Here's the good news. BlackRock is totally under fire. We got 19 states pushing back against it, um, against them because of this whole ESG scheme, which is a total, based on what many experts are saying, is a total antitrust violation, you know? Yep. So we've got just on Tuesday, House Republicans launched an investigation to probe into climate groups that are spearheading the ESG movement to determine if they are violating antitrust laws. Uh, a letter was sent to the executives of the steering committee for Climate Action 100 Plus, demanding documents pertaining to the coalition's network of influence. So I just, I got to read these two quotes because Arizona attorney uh, general, how do I say it, Edge? Brnovich. Uh, Brnovich. Yeah. We're missing a vowel. Burn. Uh, (laughs) Burn Burnovich. Burnovich. All right. He published an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal in uh, March after his antitrust investigation into Climate Action 100. And this is what he described. He says, here's what's happening. The biggest banks and money managers seek to implement a political agenda, such as compliance with the Paris Climate Accord. Then a group mobilizes Climate Action 100 Plus, for example, <clears throat> comprised of hundreds of big banks and money managers that together manage $60 trillion. The group uses its coordinated influence to compel companies to shut down coal and natural gas plants. The activism can include pushing climate goals at shareholder meetings and voting against directors and proposals that don't comport with the agenda, even if other decisions may benefit investors. That's that's a massive red flag. So then in August, he led a coalition of 19 other states who sent a letter to BlackRock warning the company about the potential antitrust violations because of their push for ESG. And he says, quote, BlackRock's actions appear to intentionally restrain and harm the competitiveness of the energy markets. These antitrust concerns are especially acute because BlackRock and other asset managers affirmatively tout their market dominance. BlackRock is the world's largest investment management company with $10 trillion in assets. And then we have Florida just pulled $2 billion. Uh, in an anti-ESG divestment out of uh, BlackRock managing their funds. Texas just subpoenaed BlackRock for documents relating to ESG investments because they believe BlackRock is using Texans' money to force a narrow political agenda. Also in August, Texas prohibited BlackRock and other firms from doing business within state borders over their ESG drive. Louisiana pulled $794 million. Uh, Missouri... Uh, they sold all public equities managed by BlackRock, which was roughly 500 million in pension funds and an 
And then we've got Utah pulled a hundred million and West Virginia and Arkansas pulled money. So there's a lot of heat on uh, BlackRock right now. And I have related reading at the bottom because Ed, you did a great article recently called Climate Trace, a framework for ESG initiatives and social and climate credit system. And then of course I have my BlackRock reports in here as well for people who want to learn a little more about BlackRock if you don't already know more than you care to know. Excellent. And we need all red states. That means basically every state in the country other than California and New York, because we know most of those states are really actually red regardless of how they steal the elections right, in right. some of those states. We need every state to be pulling out every bit of money that divesting all of their their funds from BlackRock because this is a ten trillion dollar company, you know, five hundred million is like chump change to them. But if right. we all worked together, that would make make a huge impact. Well, and go in and look at climate action and see who their partners are and who all the banks are. And let's not forget some of the banks that I've got listed over in my laundering with immunity report. So you know, and people have asked me. Um, often like, well, how do I find a bank? And Catherine Austin Fitz at the Slayer Report did a brilliant article and it's it's not behind a paywall. Um, if you go in and you search ugh, uh, how, how to find a local bank, it'll come up. And she's got a whole step-by-step -step, um, instructions and great input in there on how to search for you know a good bank or local bank or credit union. And then uh, also this just dropped that vanguard see as soon as the republicans say they're going to do this investigation like all this heat's coming on at the same time from multiple states so now vanguard quits their net zero group marking the biggest defection yet and oh good you can see yours i can't i'm i'm blocked over here at the moment um so they're walking out um and it's the, they're withdrawing from their net zero asset managers initiative, which is a subunit of the Glasgow Financial Alliance for net zero and uh, will help, but let's see, it'll help provide the clarity our investors desire about everything from the role of index funds to financial risks in the context of climate change. And so, so they're feeling the heat too. I mean, just because we don't hear as much about Vanguard. I think everyone knows they're also in the top two top shareholders of damn near every company in every industry, just like BlackRock. Mm -hmm. And so, so they're all up in this too. It's just that BlackRock takes the center stage, you know, Larry Fink, CEO, on really trying to drive this agenda home. So I think this is exciting seeing all this, all this pressure on, but people still need to pay attention to, um, what all of their uh where their investments are going you know if you are invested with any of these investment companies and then look into your banks too and let's Definitely. keep this heat on absolutely absolutely well we got a lot uh more to cover should we go ahead and move on yeah. to the next topic <laughs> i don't even remember what i don't let's, even remember oh the defense yeah yes let's this one let's talk about the national defense authorization act of 2023 so the House just passed a, a compromise version of the NDAA. The Senate is expected to vote on that in the next uh, few days, and it is expected to pass in the Senate as well because they had negotiated uh, this compromise version. So it will hit Biden's desk soon. Um, the 2023 National Defense Authorization Act is basically the military budget for next year. And so the final price tag on this piece of legislation is $858 billion. Good okay, Lord. this is a record for the NDAA, biggest one yet. So to put that into perspective, this is about 80 billion more than the 2022 budget of 778 billion. And it's 45 billion more than what Biden had even requested. Uh, so the Republicans, they were signaling when they were going through this whole negotiation process um, that they would vote no on the NDAA and put it off until next year when they take power in the House. But Republicans did strike a deal with the Democrats to pass the spending bill. There are a few key details that I want to go over about this bill. I know you have some things that you dug up as well. 
Um, but I'm going to give some positive things and, the, and then the <laughs> negative things. So we'll go with the positive things first. First of yeah. all, number one, to get the Republicans to sign on to this bill, they agreed to include a provision that lifts the COVID jab mandate for all service members. So this is a huge win. Although it does not say anything about reinstating or compensating members who were discharged for refusing the jab. Wasn't there like a lawsuit, though, where they actually won in in one division, one area, they they won and said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that there was actually a military member lawsuit. I think it was, uh, you know, several, maybe like a couple dozen uh, members of the military had sued and won. Um but I don't remember the details of that, to be honest with you. Now, I have a question, Edge. So I was scrolling through, you know, I was keywording vaccine and mandate and all that good stuff. And so I read the part about where it's it's not going to be, they, I think they called it the rescission of the mandate or something. However, when I get down to page 410, um, it says reoccurring report regarding covid 19 mandate and they're still using the word mandate there and they have report required so in one sense this is kind of key because they are making them provide these reports now so they can see oh well how many religious exemptions did you turn away or this or that but the way this is worded they say Report required. The Secretary of Defense shall submit to the committees on armed services of the Senate and House of Representatives a reoccurring report regarding the requirement that a member of the armed forces shall receive a vaccination against COVID-19. And then they get into what the report contains, like with regard to religious exemptions and medical exemptions and were they rejected. Well, if there's no longer a mandate, why are they using the word required and why are they even putting in here you know, religious exemptions and medicals. I don't know. I, I just, that bugs me. Yeah, that bugs me too. Um, seeing as how it's a 40, 400 page document and nobody's read it. I'm sure there's right. a lot I mean, of they still have the word mandate right? on page 410. Mm -hmm. And then in the paragraph, they use requirement, but I, I don't like that they left that word mandate in. Right. So, All right. So mm -hmm. we'll have to revisit that at an, uh, another time once we find out, because, you know, you have to pass the bill to know what's in the bill. So right. <laughs> right. that's how these people work. Okay. Yep. Number two, these are talking about the positives. There's a lot of negatives we got to get into too. Uh, the bill includes oversight provisions for the Pentagon inspector general to take, um, to track and audit all the weapons and aid being sent to Ukraine and report back to Congress. So remember, Marjorie Taylor Greene proposed a bill um, to audit all the aid that was sent over to Ukraine. That right. did not pass in committee. So this is actually the right. So this is actually the best hope we have of any kind of transparency as to where all of the weapons and cash that we sent to Ukraine went until we take over the house which we'll probably you know we'll see more about auditing all of that um you know next year but um we have th that piece in this bill um so also moving on number three wait wait i thought you said it didn't pass i'm confused what piece okay marjorie taylor green proposed a separate bill just a bill specifically about auditing the cash and and weapons sent to ukraine okay. that did not pass committee however they got language into the ndaa that requires the pentagon inspector general to basically audit okay and report they failed five audits in a row at the pentagon and, <laughs> right. and nothing happens and mainstream news doesn't even report on it mm -hmm. and we're talking like I think this last one was like two trillion missing or something like that. Yeah. And we hear nothing about it, yet they're they're sicking everyone on us for six hundred dollars right. having to be reported. But don't worry about our true two trillion that you're accountable for that you're obviously not accountable for. Mm-hmm. Pisses right. me off. Yep. So the Democrats put a bunch of woke crap 
of course, into the um, NDAA originally, that's all been taken out, not all and not entirely, but a lot of the diversity, equity and inclusion and sexual orientation and sexual oh, identity good. stuff has been taken out. Good. Okay. Number four, they removed, they, they put originally in the language that women could be drafted and that has been removed. Uh, number five, right. the Democrats had put a provision in there to give the power to the Washington, D.C. mayor to have control of the D.C. National Guard. And this was a move because the Democrats have been actually trying to make Washington, D.C. a state. And so this was kind of a tricky move for them to, you know, in that direction. That's been shut down. Um, the other thing is that there, the Dems had put in there some language about, um, there was a provision to make climate change, you know, one of the top priorities for the military, and that's been shut down. So some good things as far as negotiations went on this NDAA. However, there is a lot of bad stuff in this. I mean, I would say mostly bad stuff in this. So mm-hmm. um, the price tag on this $858 billion, um, it's, it's, it's just massive. I mean, so the defense budget bill, it's going to increase production capacity of munitions for Ukraine, Taiwan, and U.S. forces by 2.7 billion dollars. It also authorizes another 800 million for Ukraine. And how much was that? 800 <laughs> 800 million. It also um, requires the Secretary of Treasury to uh, seek to provide more economic support and debt relief for Ukraine. It authorizes 10 billion over five years to build up Taiwan's defenses. Um, so a lot of a lot of stuff in here. So this is a, a record-breaking 858 billion dollar spending bill at a time when the biggest threat, in my opinion, to national security is inflation and economic collapse. And here we are adding almost another trillion when we're at 31 trillion in debt. Uh, so members, just so people know, members of Congress, they uh, tuck billions into wasteful spending and pet projects into National Defense Authorization Act every year because it's the one bill that they know is going to pass. Right. So no doubt there's billions in wasteful spending tucked into this 4,400 page document and we've tried to do some keyword searches before um recording to see what other interesting tidbits they threw in here one other point before i throw it over to you to make some comments about the bill is that this spending budget makes it very clear what their plans are the military industrial complex is clearly planning for an expansion of war not only with russia but with china and 2023 and in the years to come lots of money in that yep so i found an interesting tidbit i haven't been able to read the rest of it yet but uh it's a red flag for me so uh, page 665, section 736, establishment of partnership program between the United States and Ukraine for military trauma care and research. So let me get down to, they're going to establish a joint program. Um, it'll consist of the following, the sharing of relevant lessons learned from the <laughs> Russo-Ukraine war. The conduct of relevant joint conferences and exchanges with military medical professionals from Ukraine and the United States. Collaboration with the armed forces of Ukraine on matters relating to health policy, health administration, and medical supplies and equipment, including through knowledge exchanges. The conduct of joint research and development on the health effects of new and emerging weapons. Hmm. How many Hmm. labs did we say were over there? A lot. 
the entrance into agreements with military medical schools of Ukraine for reciprocal education programs under which students at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences receive specialized military medical instruction at the such military medical schools of Ukraine and military medical personnel of Ukraine received receive specialized military medical instruction. Is this like redundant? I feel like they just put this in here twice. Um, okay, so the provision of support to Ukraine for the purpose of facilitating the establishment in Ukraine of a program substantially similar to the Wounded Warrior Program in the U.S. The provision of training to the armed forces of Ukraine in the following areas health matters relating to chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, and explosive weapons, preventative medicine and infectious disease, post-traumatic stress disorder, suicide prevention, the maintenance of a list of medical supplies and equipment needed, such other elements as the Secretary of Defense may determine appropriate. Which then moves us into this next fun section, improvements relating to behavioral health care available under military health system. So, they're looking at establishing a graduate degree granting programs in counseling and social work at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences, same one we just listed above there, uh, expanding the clinical psychology graduate program of the Uniformed Services University of Health Sciences, and uh, let's see, the study under paragraph shall include a description of the process by which, as a condition of enrolling in a degree-granting program specified in such paragraph, a civilian student, because underneath this is a pilot program, a civilian student would be required to commit to post-award employment obligations. The processes and consequences that would apply if such obligations are not met not later than one year, da, 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 da. So they have this pilot program on scholarship for service for civilian behavioral health providers. And the reason why this is alarming to us is because we know the whole mental health scheme that's been going on right now that they're pushing really hard. The who's been putting out documents on this, other division factions of the UN have. Um, we're seeing this in... Uh, Polly, Amazing Polly, just did a video a week or two ago on what's happening in Canada around mental health. Uh, this is becoming a very hard push to... So basically, uh, the the military-industrial complex is encroaching on the medical-industrial complex and trying to take parts of it over and influence it. Exactly. Exactly. And so we've seen how they're saying that they want all doctors now to start um, requesting um forms be filled out pertaining to anxiety and mental health issues uh which i don't recommend you know uh i personally i personally would not be filling any of those out so this pilot program is uh a scholarships to cover tuition and related fees at an institution of higher education to an individual enrolled in a program of study leading to a graduate degree in clinical psychology, social work, counseling, or a related field. The student loan repayment assistance to a credentialed behavioral health provider who has a graduate degree in clinical psychology, social work, counseling, or a related field. And in exchange for such assistance, the recipient shall commit to work as a covered civilian behavioral health provider. So they are... You know, and then it just gets into the obligations, which we won't get into, but we see where this is going. And and that was a big red flag for me when I saw that. Yeah, definitely. If they can control the um, people in key positions in the medical industry, um, then they can keep this whole medical emergency situation that they've really profited from and, and gotten a lot of power and control over um you know going they can keep it going as when they plant all of their <laughs> their people in these you know key strategic positions in the right. medical field right and then the other big one which i haven't had time to read but i caught the keywords on they do have their section in here on international pandemic prevention and preparedness where they're pushing the one health approach and they're stating in here um let's see Da, 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 da. clearly articulate 
United States policy goals related to pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response, including through actions to strengthen diplomatic leadership and the effectiveness of the United States foreign policy and international preparedness assistance for global health security through advancement of a One Health approach, the Global Health Security Agenda, the International Health Regulations 2005, and other relevant frameworks that contribute to pandemic prevention and preparedness. Now, they go on to stay. This includes, of course, Bill Gates, Gavi, and the WHO, and the Global Fund, and you know all of these groups who have full immunities and privileges, who are the top dogs pushing these agendas. And this also gets into, you know, I think everyone is probably familiar by now with the international health regulations, because if everyone recalls a few months back, I don't even know, maybe it was more than a few months, uh, when we first started seeing information come out on this, about this whole intergovernmental international agreement that all the member states were working on with the WHO and how they were going to make amendments to this and how the WHO would be able to um have more authority on an international level and they're and they're saying this all falls under international law and the who's constitution and yada 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 so while all these other distractions are going on with kanye and twitter and everything else these guys were meeting this week and they are putting together uh the documents for this and their time frame, though 2024 may seem far away, it's going to creep up on us real fast and people need to stay on top of this. So hang on, let me move my, I got so many windows up. I can't even see where you're at. Um, so the, the third meeting of the intergovernmental negotiating body for a WHO instrument on pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response, this is the document they're working on. But in addition to that, the the states are also putting in what amendments they want on the IHR um, agreement. So and and the timeframes all coincide. And so the let's see, do I have a tab up with the timeframes? Um, yes. So they're meeting right now. Uh, the IHR group also just met. Um, it kind of overflowed because they were meeting in Geneva, Switzerland. They have their deadlines, you know, basically, oh, God, Edge, I tried watching parts of it. (laughs) (laughs) You poor thing. And and basically, it was like, like on this page, I mean, if anyone wants to feel free, but holy moly, basically, you have the, the, you know, representatives from the member states, and they're all putting in their two cents on the different sections as they're going through it. And Oh, and I just, so I just did a quick click through three videos and I would watch like a minute here, a minute here, a minute here. And they're all smiling and they're all happy and they're all just, and we're very excited to be a part of this and da, da, da. And some people raised some questions or said, I think that we need to work together on this. And, you know, we might need to make some adjustments here, but for the most part, they're all on board. So of course the U S is one who's submitted amendments to this as well. And uh, as we can see in this wonderful defense bill, and I'll have to finish reading that section when we're done recording, they are um, very on board with this. And in fact, what was it a couple of weeks ago that they just, I think we covered it. I think you covered it at, was it the G- G20? So many names. What was it? G20? Yeah. Where they were talking about doing the vaccine passport on an mm-hmm. on a international level, right? Mm-hmm. And, and all the member states were agreeing to that. So we see them moving through this quickly. And um, their goal is, you know, in January to get some reports together. And then they're meeting again it, at the 76th um, assembly in May, 2023. They intend on finalizing all of this and putting it into action by May, 2024. And um, in between there, they've got all these meetings, you know, some face to face, some virtual. So like in uh, a week, they've got a virtual working meeting on this. So people need to stay on top of this and pay attention because let's see in, in the, what's it called? The zero draft. I think it's called the zero draft. Yeah. Um, I think that's what it was. I mean, people can read through this. 
and see like what it is they're working on. I mean, it, it's all right here. And they talk about, you know, they need to, how they need to conduct regular social media analysis to identify and understand misinformation and design communications and messaging to the public to counteract misinformation, disinformation, and false news. This is all moving to a one health approach. Um, they need people to believe in government and, you know, uh, the the whole article 17 is on their one health i've covered one health many people have covered one health um elsa's done a lot of work on that as well and um what was the enhance the surveillance and reporting of antimicrobial resistance in human livestock and aquaculture yeah because this is also bringing in food this is not just about a pandemic or an epidemic or health. This is right, also because the about, bird flu and all of that right. gives them reason. Well, to... and foodborne disease, mm-hmm. right? So this is a whole control mechanism. Yeah. And what was the other tab I had up edge? Oh, the, um, yeah. And so one of the, th- one of the amendments that they wanted in here, sorry, I'm all over the place is the uh, genetic sequence data. So, you know, they want States to responsibly, uh, communicate with the who by the most efficient means possible to add the genetic sequence data to the list of information provided as part of a notification of an event that may constitute a PHEIC. Okay, genetic sequence data, which the Rockefellers met with the who. And I covered this a while back and I put the document out there to everyone. It's a PDF called, um, I think it's called Global Genome Sequencing. And basically <clears throat> they are rounding up everyone's DNA. So that is part of this. Now, when we go back to the page that I just pulled you away from <laughs> this one right here on their, their FAQs, the FAQs. Uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> so they have how much authority could an accord have over signatory countries? Will it be legally binding? Will it take sovereignty away from signatory countries? So this is how they break this down. This is their like PR uh, page <laughs> to right. To pre-bonk anybody who says that they're trying to take away national sovereignty. It's so funny because they they make it seem, okay, just listen to paragraph two, or I mean paragraph one compared to the rest of it. The working draft presented based on progress achieved for the second meeting of the intergovernmental negotiating body illustrates a number of potential principles for the new accord, including the importance of national sovereign rights and full respect for the dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of persons. And then they hope you won't read any further. As with all international instruments, any new accord, if and when agreed by member states, would be determined by governments themselves who would take any action while considering their own national laws and regulations. Member states will decide the terms of the accord, including whether any of its provisions will be legally binding on member states as a matter of international law. Hence, your government can throw you under the bus, and all governments are pretty much doing that right now. And they can blame the WHO. They can say, hey, don't look at us. It's the WHO that's doing it. Yeah, it's this new international law we've all agreed to. So it is expected that such an accord would aim to help prevent future disease outbreaks from impinging on people's freedom to travel, because, you know, we're going to do the vaccine ID passports, work, seek education, and be a good little digital workforce employee. And above all, lead a healthy life free of avoidable disease because you're going to get your jab as called for by another global accord, the WHO Constitution. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So, yeah. Holy Def- definitely got to keep an eye on that because, um, yeah, they've got like a series. This is all really sort of like in the committee level where they're putting all of this legislation sort of into it. And then later going to vote on it. So people are not necessarily paying attention to this right now, although all of these negotiations on what they're going to, what kind of crap they're actually going to put into this pandemic preparedness sort of treaty for the who to take over in the event of a, another pandemic, which, you know, they seem to, to be able to predict these things pretty well, like, you know, they're, they're planning them to happen so that they can take more power right (laughs) yep yep 
Absolutely. Mm. I'm like already back over here on page 2251 on the uh, defense bill because I haven't had two seconds to read the the part yeah. on the um speaking speaking of the <laughs> the um defense bill there was a couple of other things i wanted to mention in this although i haven't been able to verify but in the 4400 page document uh, mm-hmm. but but marjorie taylor green tweeted some things out about this ndaa that just passed in the house um one thing that she tweeted out is um that the secretary of treasury will seek to provide economic support and debt relief for ukraine you can't make this up Um, she also said that in the ndaa there they are not prohibiting china from buying land near our military installations in other words china is still able to scoop up american land um, a lot of that land being near military installations none of that's addressed in this bill um but i I have to throw one thing sorry i have to throw one thing in because i just discovered this yesterday the uh, the something rather ministry of of Ukraine signed a memorandum in November with BlackRock. Did you know that? Yeah. I just I like stumbled across that, and BlackRock is working now with Ukraine for <laughs> to strategize a plan for them to get money and make money. So, of I just course, had to throw that in. Of course. Yeah. Now this is huge. If this actually did slip into the NDAA that passed in the House. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, tweeted out on December 7th that the Democrats are trying to pass a federal takeover of our elections in the NDAA. Huh. And I haven't seen anybody else discussing this. Um, I We tried to do a keyword search of elections in the 4,400-page document of the NDAA. We're not finding that verbiage. So I don't know if it actually made it through. Well, I didn't have time to get through it all, though. I mean, yeah. because it's mm-hmm. pulling up other, it's pulling up like selection instead of election and stuff. So I, I need a little more time to try and dig into that. But yeah, we, we need a lot of people on this looking into the verbiage that's actually in this uh, huge document. Sorry, wrong document there. Yeah. All yeah. right. One last thing we should cover before we um, before we close out. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Senator- I didn't get to see this yet. Yeah, it's got some good information in here, a a lot of information that you may already know, but it's a lot of updated information as well. So Senator Ron Johnson held a roundtable this week, including prominent doctors, insurance experts, regulatory experts, and statistic analysts. analysts. Um, They were providing updated information on the COVID jab adverse events and what needs to be done. So I'm going to go through some of these statistics because they're staggering. And I think this would be a good red pill, especially for people that you're trying to help uh, wake up to the adverse events um, of these COVID jabs. But the founder of OpenVare's website testified that since the COVID jab rollout, they have seen a 4,800% increase in deaths, a 2,876% increase in hospitalizations, a 2,050% increase in permanent disabilities, and a 2,108% increase in life-threatening illnesses. This is a massive massive red flag i don't know like what else to say there i mean i could just end it there but good the tes- for her for testifying on that yeah but the testimonies went on so ed dowd who is a former blackrock executive why does blackrock always <laughs> <laughs> but he's flipped he's a good guy he's actually put out a lot of great information on kind of the impending economic collapse um covid he's put together a group of uh statistics analysts that have been pouring through excess mortality and 
disability statistics. And what they've determined is in 2021, there was a 40% increase in excess mortality of employed people. And just to put it into perspective, a 10% increase is a once in a 200 year catastrophic event. So 40% increase is way off the charts. Their data is showing at least 1.2 million people have become disabled, leaving the um, the employment market. So this and that number is actually really conservative. It's probably much, much higher. So the COVID jobs essentially have devastated our workforce uh, in summary. Uh, now, uh, moving on to the military, so Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long is a DOD whistleblower who provided updated information on the adverse events in the military, and what she stated is that the number of military personnel who've reported severe life-threatening illness or injury has doubled since uh, 2020, jumping from 110,958 in 2020 to 205,651 in 2022. So essentially, the COVID jab mandate has completely crippled our armed forces. Not only that, but they are having a huge crisis right now with new enrollments because of the COVID jab. And that's partially uh, how they were able to get the um, dropping of the COVID jab mandate into the NDAA because they can't get anybody to sign up for the military right now. Not only do they not trust this regime, they uh, you know, don't want to take the COVID jab. But a couple other points I want to make real quick. Um, the there's an obstetrician, uh, I'm sorry, an OBGYN, Dr. James Thorpe, who testified at this roundtable, and he's published several extensive studies on women and fetal um, adverse events. He stated that the CDC and the FDA normally look for a twofold increase in adverse events as a danger signal, but his studies are showing that they've seen a 1,200-fold increase in menstrual abnormalities, a 58-fold increase in miscarriages, and a 38-fold increase in fetal death. He said, this is catastrophic. We're absolutely risking the future of all humanity by basically destroying our reproductive abilities. And in the meantime, in here, where did I just find that? They say that they're including, so they plan on still funding Gavi and the Global Fund and the WHO and all of them on getting more vaccines out. But in in addition to their pandemic prevention and preparedness and response, including for the development and deployment of effective and accessible infectious disease tracking tools, diagnostics, therapeutics, and vaccines. They're moving full speed ahead with this. Oh, yeah, they are. And I want to mention one other thing about this um, this roundtable that tells you how they're moving full st- steam ahead with this because um, towards the end of this roundtable, they talked about something that was very important. They discussed how, on, how the regulatory agencies through the COVID jab have now created a mechanism for fast-tracking mRNA gene therapy technology for everything else whether it's other vaccines or cancer treatment or essentially anything. So Dr. Robert Malone talked about how currently they're enrolling 50 clinical trials on new mRNA vaccines. And there are currently 200 clinical trials for mRNA vaccines, quote unquote, and medicines that are listed in clinicaltrials.gov. And he says that the inadequate data from the COVID jab that touts how successful this mRNA technology is, is a step, it's enabling Pfizer, Moderna, and BioNTech to be fast-tracked on mRNA technology for virtually any purpose. And so we need to, it's not just about the COVID jab. They're rolling the mRNA 
technology out and virtually everything. And right now they've got 200 things in the pipeline that they're working on. You know what? I haven't had time to watch it yet, but I'm just going to mention this for anyone who wants to. Um, so I got an email from, you know, Highwire, Del Bigtree, um, for his episode today. He, where'd he go? He went to some lab to <laughs> give blood and was shown how the mRNA affects the blood. And I haven't had time to watch it yet. So if anyone's interested in that, it's on today or on Thursday's episode. Nice. Yeah. All right. I think that we covered so much today, but a lot of really important stuff <laughs> going still, on. I'm still reading the defense bill while we're talking. <laughs> oh my goodness. And this yeah. is just insanity. Insanity. It is. It's and I insane. love how they use the word transparency in a transparent manner, even though every single, you know, stakeholder we just listed has immunity and privileges, but we'll be transparent with you. Yeah, sure. I'm mm -hmm. sure you will. All right, guys. Thanks for watching today. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. No longer on YouTube. Please be sure to subscribe to our other platforms so you don't miss a podcast. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Thank you.